This morning, uh, for Mother's Day, we're going to take a little break from the Gospel of Mark, where we've been for a number of weeks. And uh, before I start, if you'd like a sermon outline or to borrow one of our Bibles, just let our ushers know and they'll be happy to help you. Sometimes it's just not easy being a mom. I don't know, I don't know anything about it, but uh, it's what I've been told. And especially when I read things like this, a mother was making dinner one night and her seven-year-old boy runs up to her sobbing uncontrollably, just crying his eyes out. And the mom said, what's wrong, honey? And he said frantically, mom, mom, I, I just cleaned my room. And the mother said, wow, that's fantastic, dear, but uh, why does that make you so unhappy? Because I still can't find my snake. (laughs) Well, there you go. Um, Today, we honor mothers and celebrate motherhood, actually from a lesser-known tribute to mothers, hidden away in the recesses of Scripture. It's found in Psalm 119. 113. If you want to turn there, if you have a Bible, Psalm 113, nine verses. Uh, Let me read it before we dive in. Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations. His glory is above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, who is enthroned on high, who humbles himself to behold the things that are in heaven and on the earth? He raises the poor from the dust, and he lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes, with the princes of his people. And he makes the barren woman abide in the house as a joyful mother of children, Praise the Lord. Psalm 113, in case you haven't figured it out, is a psalm of praise to the Lord. It's also a wonderful tribute to mothers. Uh, Let's take a look at it. It, Psalm 113 is in a cluster of the psalms we call the halal psalms. Halal just simply is the Hebrew word for praise. Each halal psalm begins with a hallelujah. Hallelujah. we translate it, praise the Lord. That's the Hebrew word, hallelujah. Um, And you can see the pattern in this this collection of psalms, uh, beginning in Psalm 111, starts out, praise the Lord, hallelujah. Psalm 112 starts, praise the Lord. And Psalm 113, praise the Lord. Some of the psalms, the praise the Lord is right at the end, which we see in Psalm 115 and so on. But the halal psalms, focus on a particular aspect of God's salvation and redemption to praise him for. By custom, these halal psalms were sung during the three main annual festivals in Israel, and Psalm 113 and 114 were sung actually at the Passover meal as Egypt is referenced in verse 114. So let's start by asking this question, what does it mean to praise the Lord. What does it mean to praise God? Well, that 
has a really broad range of meaning. I'd like to narrow it a bit from this psalm here. It's helpful to understand that the root word in the Hebrew for halal conveys the idea of to shine on or to boast in. To shine on or to boast in. Boast in something we love. Um, Like maybe we boast in a restaurant. Hey, you need to go there. I love that place. Something we love. We're going to end up boasting in recommending it, and so on. In other words, praising God uh, is shining the spotlight on something good and magnificent about God and then expressing our delight in him. That's really encapsulates the idea of praising him, praising God. Praising God is a response from the heart, gratefully expressing to God our delight for who he is and what he's done. Don't miss the word delight. <laughs> we're, we're shining on something about God, and we love him for it. To further understand this psalm, we need to keep in mind that Psalm 113 is a song. And as such, it has musical qualities. And I love this about this psalm. It's like a piece of music. It has meter and rhyme. Each part, is, as we go through it, is linked to the other, and it builds to a crescendo at the end. The first part of the psalm, um, verses 1 to 4, uh, is filled with the elements of praise. Notice how each part builds on the, on the next verses, in these verses, the who the what, the how, the when, and the why we praise God. We're just going to walk, walk through that. They're all connected. And the psalm is just staying on that theme. Well, who do, who's praising God? And what are we praising? And how do we praise? And when do we praise? And why do we praise Him? So first in verse 1 tells us the who of praising God. We should praise the Lord. And who is doing the praising? Servants of the Lord. It answers the who. Second in verses 1 and 2 tells us the what and how of praising God. And we do that by focusing on the name of God. Praise the name. Want to to praise to God? Praise his name. Bless his name. Emphasizing the the word name, very important part of praise. What does it mean to praise and bless the name of the Lord? Well, uh, what we're doing, again, is putting the spotlight on God's name as a reason, as a motivation for us to praise him. And his name refers to who he is. Um, His attributes, his nature, his character, and so on. And how do we know who he is? He's revealed himself in the scripture. He's revealed his name. If you read through the scripture, all of a sudden his name is revealed in different, different ways, different places, telling us something about who he is. For instance, he is El Elyon in Genesis 14, 19. God most high. He is El Roi in Genesis 16, 13, the God who sees me. 
He is El Shaddai. In Genesis 17, 1, God Almighty. That's who he is. His name is who he is. He's Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. Genesis 22. I'm just staying in Genesis. Go through the rest of the Bible. He's revealing his name to us in his word. Bless his name. Praise his name. Psalm Psalm 113 identifies God's name as Yahweh. That's his personal name, which he gave to Moses when Moses, in Exodus 3, hey, what shall I tell the people your name is? He said, tell them it is Yahweh. I am who I am. Now, in your English Bibles, if you have a Bible and you're looking at it, when you come across the word Lord in all capital letters, that's actually the Hebrew word Yahweh. The small case letters for Lord are just means master or whatever. But uh, uppercase Lord, all caps, refers to the name of God as Yahweh. So that's, the, that's who we're encountering here in Psalm 113. Who is Yahweh? Well, as he revealed this name to Moses and through the rest of the scripture, Yahweh is the self-existent, uncreated, uncontingent creator and sustainer of all that exists, all-encompassing. We praise God when we put the spotlight on God's name and gratefully acknowledge and delight in who he is. Third thing we see in this psalm, not only uh, who and what, but now also when. When do we, when should we praise the Lord? Verses two and three tell us, well, we should praise him throughout all time, starting right now, forever. Okay. And we should praise him throughout the entire day, from the, when the sun comes up to when the sun goes down. In other words, the Lord is worthy to be praised all the time. When was the last time you praised God or blessed his name? This psalm is telling us there never, ever should be a time when we're not, when we're neglecting that, no matter what. Psalm 34.1, the psalmist says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Well, I'm mad at God. I can't. You better hunt for something. <laughs> Put the spotlight on his name. And recognize and delight in that name. Your whole life depends on it. The fourth thing we see in Psalm 113, verses 4 and 5, tells us why. Why should we praise praise God? Um, We should praise him because the Lord is, first of all, high above the nations. And his glory is above the heavens. What does that mean? His greatness, his power, and his sovereignty extend everywhere. There's not a place in the universe where he's not in control. We should praise him because he is unique. 
There is no other God like him. In fact, the unique glory of Yahweh is highlighted next in the question. It's a rhetorical question. Verse 5, who is like Yahweh, our God? Answer, no one, nothing. That question right in the middle of the psalm now leads us to the second part, the crescendo of praising God. It's going to lead right into, man, oh man, you want to put a spotlight on him. This is what we're going to do. What's so special about Yahweh? What's unique about him? Listen, who is like Yahweh our God, who's enthroned on high, yet who humbles himself to behold the things that are heaven and on earth? Don't miss this. Oh yeah, he's exalted his greatness and almightiness and power above the heavens and the earth. And yet, this God actually humbles himself to see what's going on with us. The song movement, you see, is now transitioning to a musical high point to answer the question. What's so special about Yahweh? Are you kidding me? And here we go. The psalm reveals that Yahweh is enthroned on high. Above everything else, he's also willing to make himself low to see what's going on. The text actually says God lowers himself. The Hebrew, Hamashpil. You could probably refer to that as who he is. Hamashpil, he lowers himself for us. God, the picture kind of is God stoops down to our level like an adult would talk to a, to, a, to a child. But that's not the biggest surprise in this psalm. The psalm begins to crescendo building as we go, describing how Yahweh responds to what he sees. Verses 7 to 9 tells us that Yahweh not only stoops down to our level to see what's going on, but when he sees people in need, he reaches out to help them. Yahweh, the Almighty God, who is high above the heavens and the earth, is the God of the weak the outcasts, the powerless. You know what? We should delight in that. We should praise him for that. He has all power in the universe, and he uses that power to help those in need. The poor, the needy, the barren woman. You know what? God is He's looking. He stoops down to behold, to see. What's he looking for? Somebody who who needs him. I meet a lot of people today, and they don't, you know, they really don't need him. They got everything they want. Pretty much self-sufficient. God's looking. He'll stoop down. Who needs me? (laughs) But it's at the end of the psalm that the greatness of his glory reaches a profound expression. 
climax of this song is when he gives new life and a woman becomes a mother. (laughs) Becoming a mother was actually the first miracle attributed to God by humans. Eve, in Genesis 4.1, said this. or The text says, Eve conceived and gave birth to Cain, and she said, With the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. How else would you describe it? Only the Lord can make this happen. Listen, Eve was barren and childless until then, as is every other woman in history. For it is God who gives life in the womb. Psalm 139.13, You formed my inward parts. You wove me together in my mother's womb. You meaning God, Yahweh. But, That would not be the last miracle birth recorded in the scripture. Psalm 113, interestingly, uses a portion of Hannah's song in 1 Samuel 2, who was barren and prayed for a child. And she gave birth, this miracle birth, to the prophet Samuel. Let me read her praise to God. 1 Samuel 2, 2, 5 to 8. She says, there's no one holy like the Lord. Indeed, there's no one besides you, nor is there any rock like our God. Notice right away, she's focused on him. She's delighting in who he is. She just got a baby. But her focus is on Yahweh. Even the barren gives birth to seven, but she who has many children languishes. The Lord kills, makes alive. He brings down to Sheol and raises up. The Lord makes poor and rich. He brings low. He exalts. He raises the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with nobles and inherit a seat of honor. Oh, he's looking. He's, he's bowing down. He's hashmapil. Who needs him? Also, Mary used allusions to Hannah's song to magnify Yahweh's power when she miraculously conceived Jesus in her womb. Notice again, Mary's focus is on Yahweh who gives life in her womb. Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord. I'm putting the spotlight on him. I am delighting in who he is and what he's done. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed for the mighty one has done great things for me. (laughs) She's considering herself the lowly, lowly. Holy is his name. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He's scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He's brought down rulers from their thrones. He's lifted up the humble, though. He's filled the hungry with good things, and he sent the rich away empty. Both Hannah and Mary could not get over 
the great power and kindness of Yahweh who would look on them and help them and bless them. Psalm 113 ends with motherhood as the crescendo of praise to God. And the scripture tells us, in fact, that children are a gift from God. Psalm 127, verse 3, Behold, children are a gift of the Lord, and that's the word Yahweh. The fruit of the womb is a reward. And you know what? God's gifts are always accompanied with joy. But you may know there are many women in our culture who look at motherhood as anything but a source of joy. There are schedules to keep, diapers to change, tantrums to correct. They have no time for themselves. They're constantly on call to deal with whatever comes up and arises. And that's just what they have to deal with with their husbands. <laughs> caring, now, caring for children on top of that, that can be overwhelming, and it tends, you can tend to lose some joy in that. Psalm 113 leaves us and suggests some lessons we can learn. Uh, not just about the joy of motherhood, um, but certainly connected to it. First, it's important to realize that becoming a mother and experiencing joy, the joy of motherhood, are gifts given to us by God. They're gifts. Not only is God the source of children, he's also the source of joy. Don't forget that. It's not, oh, now I, now I have children, now I should be joyful. No. Listen to this. He makes the barren woman abide in the house as a, as a joyful mother of children. Praise the Lord. He makes the barren woman a mother of children, and he makes her, he makes her a joyful mother of children. What does this mean? It means that God can not only rescue people uh, from the barrenness of a womb, he can also rescue us from the barrenness in our souls. The lack of joy. Only God can do that. Only God can give and sustain our joy. Uh, and there's a key to that. That means the source of our joy is not really found in our children, although they can bring us joy, obviously. Sometimes it'll seem like a well, you, little bundle of joy. Joy is found as we cultivate like Hannah and Mary did, this intimate relationship to the Lord filled with praise. Who he is? <laughs> I'm looking at you. Holy cow. Me. Psalm 16, 11, David says, In your presence is fullness of joy. In, at your right hand are pleasures forever. There's something about... Uh, the cultivation of our intimacy with the Lord, he fills us with joy. We need him. We want him. We desire him. And if you listen to Hannah and Mary, they're focused on Yahweh. And as a result, he fills them with his joy. To have that kind of joy, the joy that recognizes Yahweh as the giver of good gifts, is only possible 
in the context of having that intimate relationship with the Lord. Psalm 113 is a, I just call it a crescendo of praise for God's saving work in our lives. He's the high and lofty one who stoops down to rescue us in our neediness. He rescues the poor. He rescues the needy. He rescues the barren woman. And he rescues the barren soul with joy in him. There's one last lesson on the character and nature of God we can talk about here. You know, God has always been in the rescue business. If you read through the narrative of Scripture, he's always been in the rescue business. And you know what? He saved the best for last. At one point in history, Yahweh stooped down so low that he became one of us. He came down, Ha-Mashpil, to be one of us, in order to sacrifice himself on the cross and satisfy the divine eternal justice for our sins. He did that for us. He stooped down. And he redeems us and lifts us up to be with God and him forever through our faith in Jesus. Only God can make a barren woman a mother. Only God can save us from the penalty of our sins through faith in Jesus. Only God. He's provided a way. The scripture, the gospel tells us, believe in Jesus, the Son of God, who died on the cross for our sins, and he gives us the gift of eternal life. It's a gift. When you receive it, he fills you with his joy in the Holy Spirit. Don't miss it. Only God. Let's pray. Father, uh, we praise your name together this morning. You are the creator and sustainer of all that exists. We thank you for knitting us together in our mother's womb and nurturing us through her care. And we pray that you would fill those who are mothers with the gift of joy as they abide in you in their homes. You are Yahweh, the covenant-keeping God, who stooped down from glory to be clothed in flesh in order to take our place, receive our judgment. Would you help us uh, to believe in Jesus, that we might live with you forever? Father, we ask you, raise up those who are weak, who need you. Lift up those who are down, who need you. And by your Spirit, help us to lift our praises to you at all times. For only in you will we find joy in the gifts you give us. We pray all this and thank you so much, Lord, for this day where we can honor our mothers. We lift them up to you. Bless them. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.